As I begin thinking about that passage, I'd like to ask you just to bring to mind uh, someone in your life that has authority for you. So someone whom you will listen to when they speak and you'll take seriously what they say. So it might be a parent or it might be your grandparent, a teacher, your employer, your friend, your vicar. Um, so who is it that can speak with authority to you? And what is it just that gives them that authority? So just think about that and bring that into your mind. So in this section of Luke, I think the theme that we come up is with is the authority of Jesus and how that was expressed and how that was recognised at the time. So we're going to spend some time together today understanding what did it mean for Jesus to have authority, what that authority was for, and what it means for us today. Last week, uh, we covered the story of the launch of Jesus' public ministry as he declared to the people in Nazareth he was the Messiah. He was going to bring in the kingdom of God in a new way. He was going to bring freedom, healing, forgiveness and liberation as his kingdom came in. Now, those were words and promises that Jesus made. And I think now in this section, he moves towards actions that show the kingdom of God and what it looks like in practice for people. So we see him here. He goes down to Capernaum and he begins teaching in the synagogue and is confronted immediately with a pair of of difficult situations. So a man in the synagogue who's possessed by a demon confronts Jesus. And Jesus, we hear, casts out this impure spirit from the man. And immediately after that, he goes to the house of Simon um, and heals his mother-in-law, who is suffering with a fever. And this leads at the end of the day, everyone gets wind of it, and there's a full-on session of healing and demonic deliverances as a crowd gathers around him. And then at daybreak, having been a bit worn out, he slips away to continue his travels and his ministries around Judea. So that's the bare, bare outline of the story. Now, one of the things that people know about Jesus, if they know anything about him, is that he was known for doing miracles like this. And by, by far, the most common miracles that Jesus is recorded doing are miracles of healing and miracles of casting demons out of people. And I want us to ask the question of why that sort of thing was so important for Jesus and so common. Why did he do these signs, wonders and miracles in addition to just teaching people about God, which he also did? What's the significance of doing that? And as I said, I think it's related to the idea of Jesus's authority, which we see in this gospel. Now, as our series on the whole gospel of Luke proceeds, I'm really impressed by how much Luke's gospel is a big picture book. It invites us to ask questions um, as we look at the life of Jesus, that are very big questions like who is God? What is God like? What is our purpose in the world as human beings? What does it mean to experience God's presence, his spirit in our life? And there's these big questions that we see as we look at Jesus' life. And to get behind the meaning of this story today of Jesus healing the sick and particularly his practice of confronting demons and casting them out, I think there's another big question that we need to ask, which is what kind of world are we living in? What kind of world are we living in? Now, I think that most people in the modern world, in our culture at least, live with this, which is what has been called a two-story worldview. So the idea is that our world, the reality we live in is divided into natural things 
and supernatural things. So natural things are the things we can see and touch around us, you know, the world um, of nature, matter, or the people we see. And there's the supernatural world, and that includes God, it includes angels, demons, miracles, all these sorts of things that we don't see every day. And in the last couple of hundred years, there's been a lot of argument around this idea, these ideas, particularly about, oh, are these supernatural things actually real? It's often talked about as a question of belief. You know, so do you believe in the supernatural? Do you believe in God? Do you believe in miracles? Do you believe that angels exist? Or is the natural world everything that there is? And that is what apparently separates Christians from atheists. We believe in the supernatural. Now, I raise this idea in order to point out that I think that this particular picture of the world has very little to do with what the Bible actually describes about the world that we live in. I think it is not actually a helpful way of thinking about things and that we can't properly understand what Jesus is doing in the gospel if this is how we think about the world. It's a big call, but I'm, I'm making it. Um, so I want to give you a different picture today. So the Nicene Creed, which you might know, it's an ancient Christian statement of belief. It's very helpful in this um, instance. The Nicene Creed begins with a statement. It says, we believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is, seen and unseen. So hopefully you can hear what's being said there. So I'll give you a picture. I'm filling diagrams today is my thing. So let's look at the next one. You might find it helpful if you like to look at things. So in the Bible, I think what the actual, the only supernatural reality that's described is God himself, is the creator above his creation. That is the only supernatural level of reality. Everything else that we encounter is part of a single, one-story universe that contains a variety of things, some of which are seen, as the, the creed says, and some of which are unseen. The point being that the world we live in is actually a complex place with different types of reality, different beings, different creatures, coexisting within the same universe in different ways. And I think that really the, uh, the seen and the unseen is what we are trying to talk about when we say the natural and the supernatural, the natural being the seen and the supernatural being the unseen. But all of that is actually, I think, in the biblical picture, part of the natural world that God has made, his creation. So there are things in our world that we can see, aren't there? There are things that are clearly are able to be seen with our physical senses. We can understand them directly. So things like matter, things like objects, living creatures. We all know what this means. There are also things, though, in the world that we can't directly perceive. Unseen things, but we can see them indirectly or experience them indirectly through the effects that they have on our world that we can see. And I think this things include, includes things like energy, forces in the world of some kind, and spiritual beings such as demons or angels, and even things like ideas or principles. And these things are just as real, even if they're not as accessible to our physical senses. This is the biblical picture. I'll give you an analogy to help you understand more what I mean. Um, modern physicists talk about something called dark matter. Are you familiar with this idea, some people? Okay. So based on observations of our cosmos, they believe that about 80% of the physical matter in our universe is a kind of particle that we cannot see or touch or detect in any way. We have no way of detecting it. 
but we know that it exists because of the effect that it has on the universe. Okay? Dark matter, we know, it creates enough gravity that, say, the galaxy holds together. Um, and it affects the way light travels through space. And the, world, the universe doesn't make sense if this doesn't exist, but we have no idea what it is. Um, it's unseen, it's undetectable, but it's very real. And I think if we look at it this way, this is an analogy for what I'm talking about. All of us are affected by unseen realities every day. You know, when I turn on a light switch, an invisible energy force flows through the cord and comes out and makes a light at the end of it. Most of us read and we talk and we share ideas. Can you see or touch an idea? No, but it can literally change the world that we see around us. And many people do, probably most of us at some point, encounter spiritual forces in the world that seem to affect us, whether they're nice ones or whether they're not so nice. Those things are not supernatural. They are natural things, but they're unseen. And I think the point of this, I'm just long, it's a bit of a lecture here. I'm trying to get back to the Bible now. The point of this is that in this passage, we see Jesus interacting with the unseen dark matter of our world in his ministry. So in his ministry, we'll see he encounters manifestations of the unseen world and has an effect on it through the power and authority that he has as the Messiah and the Son of God. And the unseen part of our world that we see in the gospel seems it's something that at times seems to be very chaotic. Sometimes it's resistant to God. Sometimes it's very destructive. And so the kingdom of God that Jesus is bringing in needs to penetrate through the unseen world as well, as well as the world we can see around us in our normal lives. And so with this background, I can think we can finally see why the idea of Jesus' authority is so important to establish so early in the gospel. So Jesus, as the Son of God, as the Messiah, what he is saying and what he is doing is bringing into the world in human form the presence of God the Creator, the supernatural presence of God the Creator. And therefore he has the rightful ability and the power to turn everything seen and unseen back to God, back to the way it should be. It's an authority that comes from God himself. He has the only ultimate and proper authority that exists in this world. And that authority transforms all the seen and unseen things that it touches. So firstly, we see it, look, he has genuine authority in teaching. So in verse 32, it says the people were in the synagogue, they were just amazed at his teaching because his words had authority. The words that he spoke to them were inspired, they inspired people, they changed their lives because they had that real energy and power that comes from God. Authority, there's a weight behind it. At the start, I asked you to think of someone who has authority for you. If that person does, why do their words carry weight with you? There's probably many reasons. But is it at all perhaps sometimes that they seem to be inspired by God in the way that they speak to you? Do you feel his presence coming through them? That's what Jesus had. So anyway, the authority of Jesus' words is very powerful, and we saw that it sparks something off in the unseen world, in the synagogue. And the man, possessed by a demon, or an impure spirit, as it says, he speaks up. It's interesting what he says in light of authority. In verse 34, he says, Go away. What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. I think he's speaking directly to the authority he hears in Jesus' words. Now, one thing we need to remember when we hear stories and we read these stories of demons is that we don't actually know much about what they are. What are these? We don't actually know much what these impure spirits actually are. 
you know, there's speculation, but we really don't in the Bible know where they come from, what they're doing, why they're hanging around the world and what they're hoping to achieve. Their nature is something of a mystery to us. It's like dark matter. But we can, like dark matter, see the effects that they have on people like this man. They somehow seem to corrupt the personalities and the actions of people who are vulnerable to their influence. And whatever they are, it's obviously not God's intention that unseen spirits would do this kind of thing to people. And so when God's authority comes into the situation in Jesus, they are cast out into their proper place, wherever that might be. And the order of the person's life is restored under God. And I think that's why it helps to understand the biblical picture of our world as we think about these stories. Because Jesus has come into this world with the authority of God the Creator, the Holy One of God, as the demon recognises. And this spirit in this man in the synagogue is terrified by it because his whole world has been upset. He thought he had this little niche in this man's life. But God's authority has cast him out. And by his authority, Jesus can rightfully give instructions to them and they will leave. And when Jesus does the healing of the crowds later in verse 41, the demons, they come out of people shouting, you are the son of God. I'm sure they're not pleased by that, that the son of God is here, but they have to recognize that he is and they have to do what he says. They've encountered the authority of God in Jesus. So Jesus, we see now, has the authority over the unseen world. But also we hear he has authority over things we can see, like the sicknesses in our physical bodies. And that's um, the story when he heals Simon's mother-in-law. And how he does it is very interesting, um, if you read it. In verse 39 it says, So he bent over her and he rebuked her fever, and it left her. He rebuked her fever. When do you rebuke something? Well, when you have authority over it to tell it what to do. You might rebuke your children if, if they've done the wrong thing. You might rebuke your students. You might rebuke people under your employ. So he speaks into this illness in the same way that he would speak to a demon. By his authority, out. The sickness leaves her body and she becomes well. So in summary, I think, when Jesus does miracles like this in Luke's Gospels and we read, Gospel and we read about them, what we're hearing about is not just stories of a powerful person with supernatural abilities doing interesting things. We're really hearing in Luke's mind, about God's authority operating in the world through Jesus, both in the seen and the unseen realms, to bring things back to the way they should be in God's creation, the way he hopes them to be. And this idea of the authority of Jesus carries on throughout the New Testament. We'll see later this um, in our series, but in Luke 8, uh, Jesus, we see, uh, is on this, calms the storm on the lake when, the, when they're out with, he's out with his disciples. And he does that by a word of authority, calm down. And the disciples say to you know, who is this? He commands, and the, even the wind and the waves obey him. It's authority over the world that we can see. And there's the famous section in Matthew 28, the, the, which we call the Great Commission. After his resurrection, Jesus sends his disciples out, and he says, you're going because all authority on heaven and on earth has been given to me. So go. And finally... Um, finally, there's many other things, but in 1 Corinthians 15, the Apostle Paul describes Jesus is going to use his authority as the Son of God in the end to bring all of creation back to the way it's meant to be, all of it, and return it to a proper relationship to God, the Father. In verse 24 of that chapter, Paul says, Then the end will come when he, when Jesus, pardon me, when Jesus hands over the kingdom of God to the Father after he has destroyed all dominion, authority, and power. So the story today from Luke 4 is just the beginning of that process 
of handing over authority and power and dominion over the world back to the, the one who, ha who should have it, God the Father. That's why he's so keen to move on at the end of the story. In verses 42 to 44, the people want him to stay and they'd have him forever to do all these things for him, healings and miracles. But he says, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well. That's why I was sent. It's his mission. So as we think about this today, I think there are at least two possible applications of this message for us today. Um, the first is that I think it's important for us to allow our understanding and our attitude towards the unseen things of the world to be shaped by the fact that we live under the authority of Jesus and we're nurtured and uh, kept under that authority. Uh, there are a lot of what we might call supernatural or spiritual activities that go on in our society, even in this very town in places. And they're very real often and sometimes very powerful, sometimes scary. But they also can be very chaotic and dangerous encounters with forces that we don't really understand. Just because something seems supernatural doesn't mean it's good. That's why we need to have a nuanced understanding of the world. But it doesn't also mean that it's bad. There are many beautiful and interesting things, I believe, in the unseen world around us. It's part of God's good creation too. But however, the gospel teaches us it's a contested space at the moment, the unseen world. And we're very vulnerable to influence from it and difficulty with negative things. Humans have always been oppressed by these things throughout our history, and many people are today. The fact is, I know many Australians were not very supernaturally minded, but even if we don't believe in the unseen world, it believes in us. So it's helpful and it's comforting to find our place in all of this under the authority from God that comes through Jesus. That's where we, find, where we approach this. Not on our own. Not our own authority, not our own power. And we need to understand we're not supposed to, and I think most people here know this, we're not supposed to draw power and influence from interacting with the unseen things of the world. Instead, we're actually supposed to give our lives over to the transforming power and love of God and his authority and interact with the world on that basis. So, and, that, and we are safe in that. We don't have to be afraid or confused by these things. Jesus has the authority. A second application, I think, is to realise that we as followers of Jesus, we're intended to actually carry his authority in our own lives in, into the world that we influence. He has given his authority to his followers. If we look at the book of Acts, where Luke describes the early church, we can see that this authority from Jesus, it carried on exactly the same into the apostles and the early church. The authority to rebuke evil spirits, to heal, to speak words that really change people's lives because they're empowered by the Holy Spirit. And there may be situations where you or I are called to exercise that kind of authority. Now, of course, it's a, it's a bit of a scary area. It needs to be very carefully done. It needs to be with sensitivity and maturity and accountability. But it might be something that God has for you in many, in, in times. And, you know, it may not be big dramatic things where we encounter uh, this experience. Simple everyday encounters like, you know, encouraging someone to have hope and um, not to be anxious about the future, using the authority of Jesus to encourage them. That is actually part of this too, something like that. The goal is that in every situation, people can experience the kingdom of God at work and that the authority from Jesus would break down the barriers that stop that from happening. People need to be set free from things that oppress them to be healed. They need to experience forgiveness and change. And we have been given authority from Jesus to participate in that process and to speak those words. 
This is Jesus' works when he works through us too. So I encourage you today, as we think about this, perhaps pray for Jesus to give you wisdom and insight. How do you speak his words to the lives of people around you? How do you have authority? So let's bring today, I want to finish with a word of prayer before we um, sing again. I want us to pray that we bring our lives and our words under Jesus' authority today and that he would work through us all. So let me pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you have come from the Father into this world to gather up under your authority all things seen and unseen. We pray that we would understand the world in which we live and our place in it, that we would be safe under the shelter of your authority and power and from that be able to exercise that authority in meaningful and wise ways. We pray that the world around us would know that you are real through the way that we interact and live with you. I pray for everyone here that we would be protected and empowered by your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.